Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. We have some breaking news as of this morning. The Jets have officially finished their offensive coordinator search. They have made a hire. They have also made a hire at their offensive line coach and run game coordinator as well. Nathaniel Hackett, formerly of the Denver Broncos head coach that seemingly crumbled and was fired before the end of the year in Denver in his lone season, has now been hired as the offensive coordinator. Keith Carter, formerly the Titans offensive line coach, is coming in for the same position with New York, as well as being their run game coordinator. There is a lot to talk about, a lot of speculation, a lot of hope for a certain veteran quarterback that uh, Hackett is familiar with, maybe potentially swinging his way through to New York. What happens if that does end up happening? What happens if it doesn't? Matt, let's get right into it. I just want to get your, your initial feelings when this hire was announced earlier today what was your first thought and where have you kind of been able to settle as the days went on i I don't know as soon as i saw it uh the first thing i thought was probably the first thing a lot of people thought was that oh this is an obvious play for aaron Rodgers. um and then as the day went on i i I thought it was a very underwhelming decision to, to go with hackett but then uh, now I'm kind of content because it, it he kind of checks all the boxes of a guy that has play calling experience, uh, a, a guy that has uh, just generally ex- ex- experience in this league as an offensive coordinator, um, and somebody that that Sala is familiar with himself uh, going back to Jacksonville, uh, even though he said he wasn't just going to look at guys that he friends with but hey here here we are uh <laughs> and so he, he's got some experience it's kind of a mixed bag of, of results uh going back uh to buffalo to jacksonville to green bay uh and then uh in denver and it's some good uh a good amount of bad and a lot of uh of of, of great with uh, Aaron Rodgers, but then you got to start thinking, all right, well, 
how much did he really help with Aaron Rodgers? He wasn't calling the plays in Green Bay. Uh, he, he, he was kind of just there helping to build the offensive game plans, which is great. Um, I think I read somewhere that he did help uh, with the, the in the red zone. Yes, uh, I believe I don't, it was specifically play calling in the red zone. I'm not exactly sure, uh, and I believe they had uh, very good stats in the red zone. So if that could be attributed attributed to him, then great. Uh, that is something that we poorly needed uh, this year uh, because we were horrible in the red zone. We were just horrible in general in scoring. So, uh, and I believe once he left Green Bay, they kind of fell off the cliff in the red zone. Significantly. So, so that's a sign that he actually did something uh, to help there. And not just, it wasn't just the product of Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur. So, I don't know. It, it, when it comes to who else we were looking at, uh, it was really only Frank Reich that I really cared about as, as a top option. Uh, other than Callahan, who turned us down, uh, so I'm I'm okay with it. I'm I'm still a little underwhelmed. Uh, I think if we don't match him up with one of the top two quarterbacks, whether it's Rodgers or Carr, uh, I think he's going to be in trouble. I mean, people point to what he was able to do with Bortles, uh, but at the same time he had another year with Bortles right after his great year. And that one wasn't great that so, and then he's got years in Buffalo that were also not great with the likes of EJ Manuel uh, and others that were not spectacular. So it's a mixed bag. Like I said, uh, I, I'm sure you've got some tidbits you want to add. Yeah. I think what you mentioned at the top, the, the ploy for Aaron Rodgers, I think that's where we have to start because I think yeah. there is, two totally different worlds for the New York Jets, one in which they acquire Aaron Rodgers specifically, one in which they acquire maybe a Derek Carr, and one in which they acquire nobody. Where I guess that's three different worlds, not two. But either way, there are multiple different options that can that can go from here. And I think first and foremost, you have to say the obvious is that there is a connection here. That said, we just saw what happened in Denver. And it seemed like everyone in the world thought that Rodgers was going to try and get himself traded in the Broncos were hiring Hackett as their head coach, and it was to lure Rodgers there, and they were going to trade for Rodgers and play under Hackett, and everyone was all going to be happy, and then none of that happened. And if you are the Jets, we need to be very realistic about the quality of coach that you're getting, at least off his track record, and that's the only thing you can stand on as an offensive coordinator is your success in the NFL and how not just your statistics, but also the players you've helped develop and stay good for most of their careers, not just for one year. This guy has one successful year as an offensive coordinator and in six years as a listed offensive coordinator and basically four or five as a play caller. So you have 2017 in Jacksonville. They lead the league in rushing, which is great. They had a rookie year, Leonard Fournette. It was a thousand yard back as a rookie, played really, really well. Their offensive line was strong. I'm pretty sure they still had TJ Yeldon at the time as a sub, uh, sub uh, complimentary back. That certainly helped in their backfield. You got a better than expected year out of Blake Bortles, especially when you consider his top two receivers were Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee. You end up with, I believe it was the sixth overall offense in the NFL that season. End up in the AFC Championship. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, and everybody in the world is losing their mind over their success. Well, it went to crap the year afterwards, (laughs) and it led to all the coaches getting fired. Blake Bortles is not the answer, the quarterback for the Jaguars, and he never got another shot in the NFL to be a starter after that. 
everything kind of implodes. Then he goes to Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers wins two MVPs under him, while he isn't the one calling place. And I think it's absolutely and totally pointless, quite honestly, to attribute any success outside of the red zone success like you talked about, Matt, which has specifically been talked about and attributed to Hackett, and we've seen the difference of him being there versus not. Outside of the red zone success, you can't contribute the overall success of the Packers offense just to Nathaniel Hackett because he was the offensive coordinator. He's not even calling the plays, and it's not like he had developed Aaron Rodgers into who Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers was already Aaron Rodgers. So you're not adding anything to the room outside of the red zone efficiency, which is good, which is nothing to be upset about or scoff at. But I'm at the point, Matt, quite honestly, where I feel like if they do not acquire a Rodgers or a Carr, they have very little chance of this being a successful hire. And I feel, and I don't think it's guaranteed if they have a Rodgers or a car. That's the difference is I'm not sitting here and saying the second they get a veteran quarterback, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out great. Jets are going to be in the playoffs and we're good. Who cares who our OC is? I don't think that's the deal. I think they're going to try like hell. And I think Salah himself said it in his press conference today, which absolutely blew my mind that he would be this confident to come out and say it in January. They said we're gonna. He said we're gonna revamp our offensive line, and we're gonna try and dip, get a veteran quarterback. We're gonna do everything we can to acquire a veteran quarterback, and we're gonna fix the offensive line, and that's our plan. And we talked about it with the guys we interviewed, and they're gonna have a say in you know where we go from here, and and we're looking to do that. So they're gonna swing for the fences for a Rogers or for a Car, or if Lamar is a possibility, I'm sure they'll inquire. They're going to try like hell to get it done. And, you know, we talked off air, Matt, where I had said, this means Woody gave him a blank check. And they said, do whatever you have to do. Get whoever you have to get. I don't care how expensive it is. Make it happen. We need to get out of this playoff draft. Sala knows they're going to throw every egg they have in the veteran quarterback basket and try like hell to lure somebody. So if they can't do that, what is their backup plan? (laughs) And you have, as it currently stands, a guy with very little track record of developing players, a very little track record of developing quarterbacks at that, where if you look at the only guys that he's really developed, you have to go all the way back to early 2010s when he was the quarterback's coach under Doug Marone at Syracuse and eventually the offensive coordinator as well, where he helped coach up Ryan Nassib into being an NFL draft pick. Outside of that, one good year of Blake Bortles is all you can hang your hat on. And it's just, it's really concerning for me where I'm, I'm not going to sit here and judge anything until I see it on the field. I do not think this is an Adam Gase level hire where everything is horrendous and and they're they completely and totally got the wrong guy. But I have a lot of questions. And I think if you do not land, quite honestly, Aaron Rodgers, it kind of feels like this whole move is is null and void. Yes, he's experienced. There is a positive to that. His father was also an NFL offensive coordinator and coach for a long time, was actually the Jets offensive coordinator for Uh, four years under Herm Edwards in the early 2000s when the Jets were making the playoffs in the early 2000s. A lot of people hate Paul Hackett, but if you look back at the history of Jets offenses since then, towards the top in terms of efficiency, which is kind of a a statement to the uh, state of affairs around here. All of this is to say, I'm really, really worried that the Jets are basically saying, we're going to get Hackett, we're going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, and everything is going great. And I don't know if they have any plans if that doesn't work. Yeah, see, the fact that they, like you said, they've made it very open that they're going after a vet quarterback, uh, and the fact that you've got the the connection between Hackett and Rodgers, and 
you've got and the, Salah and the Matt general Lafleur. need. Yeah, and, and just the general need of a quarterback kind of takes away all our leverage too in any kind of trade, uh, and that kind of worries me because when you have a guy that's on the verge of retirement, that's going to cost a lot if he does retire after one year. Uh, if his contract stays the way it is, that's very worrisome. I would want some kind of discount for that, uh, especially in a tra- in trade value. But if they can rake us over the coals because they know we have zero leverage and that we yeah. won't do anything and sign a blank check for them, then that's probably what we'll do. And that really bothers me. I don't like that idea. I haven't liked the idea of doing whatever it takes to get Rodgers. I was much more of a fan of Carr. Uh, I think getting Carr allows us uh, to uh, to save on draft picks. Uh, to will probably be relatively cheaper than Rodgers, uh, cap-wise, uh, and allow us to, to, re, to kind of build the depth around him. And we could have him for a longer period of time, give us more shots at a Super Bowl, where with Rodgers, it seems like this is possibly a one and done, and that the, the chances of just of of winning the Super Bowl with this one shot with Rodgers just seems so unlikely. Uh, you, you've seen countless times teams go hell or high water for for talent in the off season or, or a big time name at quarterback, and then they fall flat on their face. Uh, I, I know there's been recent success with Stafford. Uh, even Goff has kind of uh, turned things around with the Lions. Uh, but overall, I feel like this doesn't really help teams. Uh, and more often than not, it doesn't. It, it kind of ruins them. No, more often uh, than not, it costs people their jobs. Yeah, it costs people their jobs, and it costs the team uh, a, a near time, a, a, a near future too, with draft picks and cap. Uh, so. If we get hamstrung here, uh, and and kind of hit, uh, kind of abused with a trade from for Rogers, then that makes me very uneasy. Uh, so yeah, overall the whole idea of of Hackett kind of makes me uneasy because of that. Yeah, it's very uneasy. Nothing is is certain right now, and quite honestly, we aren't going to know if anything is going to happen with this in the near future until something happens with Aaron Rodgers' contract. And that's an important point to bring up. He cannot be traded until, as it stands right now, after June 1st. The Packers will accrue over $99 million in dead money if they were to trade him before then, regardless of anything else that happens. So if you are the Green Bay Packers, there is absolutely no way you are putting $99 million in one year of your cap space in dead money to a player that is not on your roster to trade him away for nothing because that he wants to have a trade done and keep his current contract. Absolutely not. Let alone that the extra years further down the line, 2024, 25, 26, the cap numbers on Rogers's contract are like well over $50 million. At that point, he's going to be well into his forties. So are you willing to pay $55 million potentially in 2026 for a 43 year old Aaron Rodgers? If he's even still close to being worth that money, which it's likely that he won't be. There is going to need to be a restructure for a trade to happen. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers is getting moved at all if he does not restructure his contract. If that happens, 
And if we get the the Adam Schefter notification tweet saying Aaron Rodgers restructures his contract, you know, frees up dead money for the Packers this year and shortens, you know, whatever guarantee cuts a couple of extra years off or makes them voidable or however they have to work out the contract situation to make it somewhat attractive, not only for the Packers to want to trade him, but for another team to want to acquire him. There's not going to be any movement here. So if if he reworks his contract and makes it more favorable, then that also worries me because then it also becomes slightly more favorable for the Packers to keep him as well. And that is the the ultimate kind of problem here is at the end of the day, the Packers can just say no. And Rodgers can just retire and they'll still have to pay him a bunch of money after he retires, but they're going to have to figure out however that situation is going to work out. And it's, there really is all the leverage in the hands of green Bay where they're going to decide who he's going to be traded to. They're not going to agree to anything unless it happens. All the smoke coming out and and even Rogers himself mentioning that, you know, a restructure is probably necessary for him to get moved. It sure seems like that's what Rogers wants to happen. And it seems like that's what the Packers might be willing to explore doing. But nothing is set in stone right now. And as we've talked about before, Matt, like we said a few weeks ago, Derek Carr has got to be paid by the Raiders by the 15th of February. That's like two weeks from now, give or take. So if you are the New York Jets, are you waiting on Aaron Rodgers and potentially going to let Derek Carr pass you by, making yourself even more desperate and even more likely to have the Packers completely and totally hang you out to dry in a trade if that ends up even being a possibility? This is a really, really dicey situation. And to me, it just feels like they've put all their eggs into one basket too early. And if they don't get them all to hatch, it's going to be a really ugly situation. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, And if let's say that they do go for car, I don't know if I trust him with car. I feel like he's at his best when he has elite talent there. And I don't think he would do much to help elevate a Derek Carr back to what Derek Carr was as far as back as 2021 when he was top five in yards, uh, at least top 15 or top 10 in accuracy or touchdowns. So I, I don't know if we get that Derek Carr with Hackett. So we also don't even know if Derek Carr even wants to come here. No. And there, we don't know if still... we're going to get 2020 and 2021 Aaron Rodgers either. No, we, we really don't know what we're going to get from anybody uh, and what we have to pay to get it. So all of that just leaves so many question marks all over the table. Uh, and it makes me nervous. And I, I'm sure it makes a lot of people nervous, but I feel like a lot of people are also kind of blinded by the connection of him and Rogers and kind of already think it's a done deal. They, yeah. they know that Woody uh, really wants to, to, to get his quarterback and is willing to pay whatever it takes. Uh, and you got Sala and JD possibly on the hot seat, most likely on the hot seat. Then they need to get something done. So it, it's, it's so many, there's so many balls in the air right now. And these balls are filled with gunpowder. <laughs> and yeah. a- any little spark can set them all off, all above their heads, all above our heads, 
because in the end, they they'll they'll be gone. They'll fire them, but we'll still be right. here, and we'll be the ones having to pick up the pieces of dreams lost and opportunities not had, and and that's kind of just how it's always been as a Jets fan. So this feels like a move that is kind of on par with every other move this organization makes, and it's disappointing. Um, we can hope for the best. We can hope that it works out. We can hope that we can get Rodgers uh, for a favorable deal. We can hope that he still has something left in the tank. We can hope that he gets us to the playoffs. We can hope that he even gets us to the Super Bowl. But is it likely? No, probably not. Uh, and and that to hang all our hats on that happening in one year, possibly, it just bothers me. It's it's a very uneasy feeling. Um, it is not. I'm not happy with what the Jets did today. If I had to put it in one sentence, that's what I would say: is I am not happy with the with the moves they have made. I want to applaud Jets fans for a second, though, because oh my God, their ability to find the positive and optimism and blindly believe it and trust it in any situation, despite how many times it has come crashing down in front of them, is incredible, and it is why mainly why I love this team as much as I do. Because the fan base truly is one of a kind. And to see everybody in the world be completely and totally out on Hackett when the hire was announced or the interview was announced and everyone's saying, oh, we can do so much better. And, and, you know, this isn't going to work out. And the second the hire is announced, everyone's like, we're getting Aaron Rodgers. This is great. Couldn't (laughs) ask for anything better. I love it. I love the optimism, guys. Seriously, don't ever lose it. But don't get lost in, in the shuffle and don't lose reality. Let's be very realistic about what is going on here. They, the Jets know they have, this is their only shot to make the playoffs this coming season because they're out of range of drafting a quarterback. They don't want to run the risk of having to develop it and not work out. They have zero faith in Zach Wilson. Zero. They have absolutely no trust that he can give them anything in 2023 and that he needs to completely and totally sit the bench and get, go back to school basically on how to be an NFL quarterback for an entire season before they even think about letting him touch the field. They know that their jobs are on the line. And I think, like I said earlier, Woody gave them a blank check and said, do whatever you have to do. So we mentioned this a few weeks ago in talking about Derek Carr. I'm going to say the same thing again now, Matt. Prepare yourselves for the Jets to do something very, very, very stupid and pay way (laughs) too much for not only Aaron Rodgers in a trade, but money in a contract. Because they're desperate and everyone knows they're desperate. And the fact that they're outright coming out and saying, we are going to try and acquire a veteran quarterback in January. In January is absolutely the craziest thing I've seen out of this team in a long time. And I'm not trying to, to overblow that. I cannot overstate the balls it takes from the New York Jets and Robert Sala in January to say, yeah, we're going to get one of the few veteran quarterbacks that's actually going to be available. So you're, you're basically saying we'll do whatever we have to do. We will pay whatever price. Packers, you want to come clean us out? We're open for business. Like, this is, that doesn't happen. Is it obvious to the world the Jets are going to be looking for quarterbacks? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean teams come out and say what they're doing. That doesn't mean head coaches are going to come right out and say, this is our plan. This is what we plan to do. This is where we're going to attack. This is where we're going to improve. And we haven't even finished the playoffs yet. That is not a, a normal situation whatsoever. And you look around the league as a whole, every team knows every other team's needs. It's not hard. 
any we cover the team, Matt. We do this consistently. We we know their needs. We know exactly what they're going to be looking for. We could have told you it was offensive line and quarterback. It's not a secret. But that doesn't mean the teams are going to come out and say it themselves again. So I'm this is I'm I said a few uh, a few weeks ago, I think Derek Carr is going to be there. If I had to bet money, I think it's going to be Derek Carr. I, I'm going to add a caveat with the Hackett hire, making things a little more difficult. If it's going to be Carr or Rogers, because I think the Jets are going to pay whatever they have to to get one of the two. I feel like they have to. Uh, one thing of note uh, is that Hackett is still being paid by Denver. He's going to be paid by Denver for the next four years. I think I still not anymore. Not be- it, it, it really because the, yes, because the Jets gave him language? a job. So the off yes, so the offset language. This is the the argument that people are making is that he yeah. had a four year contract or a five year contract with the Broncos as head coach. They fired him after one year. Coaching contracts are guaranteed fully, unlike NFL player contracts. So they had to pay him the remainder of that contract for however long it was, unless he got mm-hmm. another job in the NFL. Yeah. So so the Jets hired him. Now the Jets will be paying whatever salary they agree for him as an offensive coordinator. The Broncos no longer have to pay the remainder of that contract out because he has another job as an offensive coordinator, and that's picking up whatever sort of salary. So the argument is that Hackett chose to come and be the Jets offensive coordinator, and he could have just sat on his couch and done nothing and still made a head coach's salary. Which he could have, but he can't anymore. So the fact that he did take our job means that he specifically wants to get something out of this job. Yes. He, he wouldn't take that that fat payday to just sit on the couch. He could have taken the year off. No, he could exactly. have waited for. Could have done it for only a year, and then went and found another job or done something. Yeah, yeah. no, there's but he out. didn't have to immediately go get another job. So he sees this as an opportunity. He must have some idea of who he wants and who he's capable of getting and who we're capable of getting. So maybe there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know. In fact, I guarantee there is. Uh, that alone says a lot without saying anything. Uh, you know what that sounds that like to me, Matt? What? Tampering? Yeah. <laughs> a little tampering Dolphin, here and there. Dolphins Never just heard lost anybody. a first-round pick over this. I mean, other than the Dolphins. Like, <laughs> like anybody I'm, else that tampered and got caught. And but, the Dolphins just lost a first-round pick over this trying to acquire a star veteran quarterback. Yeah. <sighs> See, uh, I don't know. There's, there's got to be some, especially with all the connections with with Green Bay too. There's, there's got to be so much back channeling. Uh, maybe not with Rogers himself, but maybe with the the best friends of of Lafleur and Sala. Uh, I, I, there's got to be something there. There's, there's so much unsaid, uh, but there's also so much between the lines that very obvious that there's got to be something. Uh, There's too much smoke here. There's way too much smoke. I, so I, I'm, I am mildly optimistic because of that, but still so much needs to to swing our way. And I, as a Jets fan, we can be optimists when we hear news like this, uh, but at the same time, we have to be realist too. Because how many times have we been burned by these types of things yeah. that we, uh, on, on the surface, look like? Oh wow, we can get a Hall of Fame quarterback, but really, right underneath, you see the ugliness 
the pain and everything else that goes with being a Jets fan, and that has plagued us over the years. So it, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, there's a there's a thin layer of optimism that I still have, uh, but most of it's just pessimism. Yeah, we're uh, in classic Jets fans fashion. Remain blindly hopeful, even when nothing has given you reason to do so. Exactly. And right now, there is nothing. No, no, there is nothing. There, there really isn't. The only hope is that, like I said, you see the Aaron Rodgers restructured his contract tweet from Adam Schefter, and then we're going to be really cooking with gas. I think Jets Twitter is going to completely explode. Um, let's talk about Keith Carter, the other coach that was hired as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator a little bit, because this is another hire that I think both of us in general like a lot more than the Hackett hire where if we're looking at things just as a whole, the Titans offensive line has been a pretty solid unit the last handful of years. They've been top six in rushing, I believe, every year the past like four or five years as he's been the offensive line coach. Obviously, Derrick Henry had a big part in that, being you know a super talented alien running back like he is. But the Titans have also had a bunch of offensive line injuries. Specifically, they did this past year. They had a lot of injuries up front that set them back. And they were still churning out yards, still finished in the top six. I'm pretty sure Henry was like second or third in the league in rushing overall. So they've had a solid uh, season. And Carter in particular is a little bit different of a personality where we listened. I heard an interview with Taylor Lewant, uh, Titans left tackle, when he was talking about Carter first coming in. And the Titans offensive line coach before Carter came on was Russ Grimm, the former uh, Washington, formerly Redskins offensive lineman in the 80s, part of the Hog Mollies. He was a player's coach. Everyone loved him. He was a former player himself, you know, happy-go-lucky, nice guy, not going to be too, you know, dictator or authoritarian type. And Carter was a little bit the opposite, where he had high expectations. He was going to be demanding. He was going to, you know, get up and yell and hold people accountable. And thinking about this, Matt, you know what I really thought of? I thought of so much this past season where we were watching the veterans on this Jets offensive line just get completely and totally smoked play after play and not even act like they cared. And not even like it didn't even phase them like Lake and Tomlinson would get tossed around by complete backups uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he'd get up the next play and look to the ground. And it's like, OK, what time to go do it again? Like it, he, there was no <laughs> nothing that bothered him about it, about the fact that he just got completely and totally dominated. I remember seeing a handful of reps from McGovern where it was the same way. And you see them celebrating and being upset when Zach Milson misses a throw. But you don't see them doing it when they get beat either. I think Carter is the type of guy that's finally going to get on these veterans and not just give them the, I think Benton may have been a little too nice to his guys. And I think they're going to have a higher standard where this is a guy that they don't have as much of a familiar uh, relationship with. He's going to come in and demand things out of them that they, maybe they haven't been demanded of before. And I really think the, the attitude that I don't think being the the authoritarian or the dictator or the no nonsense drill sergeant is the perfect way to go. I'm not sitting here in support of that style. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I, I do think there are plenty of other ways to be successful as a coach or as a leader, period. But I do think that when your entire staff and your entire leadership team is a lot of guys who are very rah-rah and very accepting and and we're going to be there and we're not going to yell and we're going to be supportive. And and that's all that happens. I think sometimes having the guy that is the authoritarian is needed to go along with it. And I think the the offensive line room in particular is the perfect spot for it, where you have too many veterans that are too crucial to this team to be playing the way that they were playing last year. And it's really going to be a kick in the pants for them. And I'm, I'm excited for it personally. I think it's desperately needed. Yeah, I, I feel like that 
that uh that personality defect that our offensive line had last year really just plagued every single one of them. You saw it in their play. You saw it in the reactions. Uh, and I think that this could this move as higher could really help somebody that struggled that we were really counting on, and that's Lake and Tomlin. Yeah. I think that getting him back into the mindset uh, of doing the right thing, of accountability, and of you know just doing your job, I think will do wonders for him. And likewise, everybody else along that line. Um, I was going back and just like looking at the numbers uh, for 2021 with Carter uh, and how his offensive line looked with uh, Henry in and with Henry out since Henry missed pretty much half the season. So uh, a nice, decent sample size of both uh, with Henry, you, as you would expect, they averaged uh, about 4.7 yards per carry, uh, which was over the league average uh, by a little bit. And then without he, they averaged about 4.1. Uh, so a little below the league average. But then you got to look at who he had uh, running the ball it, because there was nobody even close to the same level as King Henry. Yeah, few he had, people are. No, you had Adrian Peterson in his last year in the NFL. Uh, with a, He played three games before he gave out. Uh, and then after that, it was kind of a who's who of guys that weren't really going to be doing much with Deontay Foreman and Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols. And that was about it. That's all they had. And they were still able to really get pretty close to that league average. So I don't want to say like much with, uh, with Hackett and, and, and Rogers and how much are we going to attribute Rogers success to Hackett? I would say that this group overall, even without King Henry was formidable and did their job. And if that translates to us, uh, I think we'll be light years better than we were this year. That's for sure. And that will trickle down. It has a domino effect that will raise all boats between the running game, between quarterback play, between uh, going on to the receivers, everybody. It will help the entire offense. And likewise, the entire team. So I, I am all for this hire. Uh, I want to see what he could do if what, what, what if there's immediate impact uh, or if it takes a little time. I'm like with most things, usually with especially with the offensive line, uh, it will require some time, some gelling, especially if we have uh, new starters along this line. If we get Beckton back, who hasn't played in two years, there's going to be a learning curve. Uh, I am expecting that. Uh, so how how quickly they can come together and form a, a group that is NFL ready that can do some damage? We'll see. Yeah, and I think that's why having a guy that's going to demand excellence is a really good person to have because you're not going to have time to wait for things to gel. You're not going to afford to be too comfortable and be, oh, they'll figure it out. It'll just take some time. It's like, no, like we need to get coordinated and on the same page now so that come week six, it's second nature and we're not having any problems up front. I think that's going to absolutely be a really big help for this team overall. And on top of that, you know, we had talked a lot this season about how this team just lacked any power and nastiness in their offense. Mm-hmm. How whenever you needed, when it's third and one and you just need to move the line of scrimmage and get one yard, it was like asking a fish to climb a mountain for these guys. Like it, it's just 
it, it was impossible. And I think having a guy like like Carter that is that little bit of a, a authoritarian that's got that power to him, I think that could trickle down to the players as well and get them angry, get them pissed, get them upset. There is, a, you know, when we're scouting offensive linemen, Matt, I know we feel the same way about this. We look for the guys that play like they are absolutely completely and totally offended that anyone would ever try and get through them that they take it as like a personal shot that they are trying to be to be rushed or shed by any defender or any sort of way it's like no i am blocking you and you are going to feel it and the fact that you tried pissed me off those are the guys we like the jets offensive line had none of that this past year none and they really need that added just nastiness to be injected into that room and open everything up statistically you know, judging an offensive line coach is tough. I know that Titans overall and pressures allowed have been relatively league average. They've also had a handful of injuries subbed in here and out. Like I said, rushing statistics have been solid. And if you're trying not to attribute it to Derrick Henry, like you talked about, Matt, 4.7 yards with Henry, who's a one of a kind superstar, uh, unbelievable talent that, you know, once in a generation type of player. And you go down to 4.1, league average being 4.3. So you go from slightly above to slightly below. That's not a ridiculous drop-off. And it's it's definitely less of a drop-off in production as the drop-off in talent. Where if you're looking at the guys that weren't Derrick Henry, they should be, you would in theory, be doing less than 4.1 yards a clip. But if that's what you're able to get, even without a, a probable future Hall of Famer in your backfield, that's nothing to scoff at either. I'm, I really like this hire, and I think it's also really interesting to note that Sala himself, when he was asked about this hire in his press conference, lit up more than he did the entire time he was talking about Nathaniel Hack. Like, the second anyone mentioned Keith Carter, Sala is... For everything that Sala is, I truly believe that when people talk about how genuine he is, that it's real. Because every time you see the guy in a presser, when he really cares about something, his eyes get all real wide, his voice perks up a little bit, and you can tell that he's really meaning what he says. I don't think you're going to see him you know, outright lying that much, but you can tell when he's saying something that he has to say and saying something that he truly believes in and feels deeply. And he had said that they couldn't believe that he got let go in Tennessee. And that the second that he was let go, they put in a request and they did everything they could to get this guy. And they're, they're really, really excited to have him in the building. And I can understand why. So I'm I'm happy with this hire. I think it's going to improve the attitude of this line. I think it's going to get some of these veterans that are likely going to have to be here one way or another, kick them into shape or at the very least make them learn that it's a new standard here. And if that's how you're going to play, then you're going to get called out for it. I, I really think it'll be a huge help. And ultimately, at the end of the day, no one's going to love this hire more than Brees Hall. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he stands the game the most out of all uh, out of all everybody in this offense. Uh, because he had so much production last year just based off of what he was able to do himself. He was a self-made man last year. He did it all. And he's going to yeah. be coming back from an injury. So I don't expect him to be all the way back to what we were seeing in his rookie season uh, right away. I Maybe not even until the end of the season, if at all, this season. So any little bit... That, that can help him along the offensive line. Any push, any any bit of uh, of of running lanes being opened up uh, will definitely help and help him get his confidence back in himself. Uh, and I think that would feed along the line to everybody in that running back room uh, because a lot of the time these guys are getting hit 
before they even get going. And it must have been demoralizing for them yeah. this year. Because it, it, especially guys like Carter, who make a, a living of making people miss and just having to make so many people miss just to get back to the line of scrimmage. It, it was just sad to see. And then to uh, watch the guys up front not even care. Yeah, not even care. So it, it it's just something that can definitely have some positive ripple effect. I think so, too. And overall, you know, looking at the pairing, I, I do think that it's a, a solid pairing. I think the Jets are going to be better in the run game than they were last year. For, I think I can say that with quality, you know, with, with pretty good authority. Hackett's career, it may not be that impressive overall, but he has been better in the run game than anything, has had a league where he led the league in rushing, you know, has been top 10 a couple of other times in other places. He, he has had some good success in the run game. He's also had some success with running backs as pass catchers, which I think is really exciting for the idea of Hall and Carter, you know, even Ty Johnson included in that. Thinks Bam Knight, if you can give him some catches, he can do some work. This could be, you know, a really fun offense for these backs to get involved in. And then you have Carter, who has been, you know, a no-nonsense coach, going to help the the nastiness up front in the run game, hopefully going to help sort things out in pass protection and have the communication more on board. There's things to like here. It's not a completely and totally, you know, burn the whole forest down and, and everyone's jobs should be on the line and this is terrible and the sky is falling. It's not. But it's not good. And it's not ideal. And I think the the cloud of if you don't get Aaron Rodgers is just going to loom over this until we know who the Jets next quarterback is going to be. Yeah, for sure. And there are some other notes. Uh, uh, they, they said that they're still looking for a senior uh, offensive mind to, to kind of be the, the nap. Uh, so there's that. And then I believe we're still going to be looking for a new quarterback coach. So there's still a lot to be done that's going to take shape uh, and really form what this offense is going to look like going forward. Uh, so we're not done. There's still a lot of news out there to, ha- to be had, uh, and we'll, we'll be here to analyze it. Yeah, buckle up, guys. It's going to be a, a long few weeks of speculation and hope and anticipation before we know what's happening. I think if I was a betting man, we're going to have a pretty good idea of how things happen by the time Derek Carr's roster bonus is guaranteed because mm-hmm. i think if aaron Rodgers has any hope of being traded he needs to get within the same time frame of car being moved because otherwise the teams that are going to be interested are going to try and be all in for car and they're not going to want to wait that long afterwards because the draft is going to be shortly after and if they're going to need to trade up for somebody they're going to want to start doing it early so i'm i would expect if anything is going to happen with aaron Rodgers that we're going to see him have some amount of contract restructure renegotiation probably by the Super Bowl would be my guess. Because mm-hmm. I just, I, it's not going to happen if it doesn't. And I can't see Rodgers restructuring two weeks before the draft and then a trade happening like right up until the end. Our, our team's going to be able to plan that out that far in advance and know that it's going to happen and screw their draft plans. I just, this is such a tricky situation. It really is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. this is, this is what happens when you're desperate for quarterbacks, you make desperate moves and and desperate times call for desperation. Yes. But once those desperate times are over, those moves will remain. And so we better hope for success and we better hope something happens at all, because if they completely swing and miss on everybody, who knows what this Jets offense is going to look like. Yeah. Is there, is there a chance it could be worse? 
I yeah, I, quite honestly, I think that if you don't have a car, you don't have a Rogers, or you don't have a Lamar, or you don't have somebody along those lines, and and you're trotting out Jacoby Brissett in 2020, 2023 with Hackett as your offensive coordinator, um, I, that that would worry me. That would scare me. We <laughs> we talked, uh, you know, we talked a little bit ago where I said, you know, there's a good chance it could be Mike White. If they completely and totally swing and miss Mike White and Nathaniel Hackett's not inspiring a ton of confidence. In me. No, it's not. And unless he has a Blake Bortles type season in 2007 and with, then whatever, I'll, I'll take. Uh, and then next year when it fails, everyone gets fired anyway. So it's yeah. like it, it, we can we can sit here and argue all day, but we're all going to eventually one way or the other. We're going to end up back at this same point again in the future. It's true. Uh, it's Groundhog Day. Sure feels like it. All right. Well, I think that does it for us this week. It's been a fun time ranting, as it always is. We can hope. We can look forward to the future. We still have a bunch of dominoes to fall. Sky isn't falling. Not yet. I think it's very likely. And and from their own admissions, I don't have to say likely. I can say it is all but guaranteed that the New York Jets will do everything they can to try and acquire a veteran quarterback this offseason. Whether that or not they can is yet to be seen, but they're going to try, and we are going to be here to cover it, regardless of how it shakes out. Matt, let's wrap this one up. Yep. All right. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jeff. You guys can follow the show at OKD Podcast. You can also follow me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Thank you guys for stopping by and tuning in, and we will be back real, real soon to continue breaking down this apparently wild and crazy Jets offseason. Thank you guys one more time. Bye-bye. 